0: You're listening to For the Record, a Registrar podcast sponsored by ACRO. I'm Brian Boyd, University Registrar at the University of Central Florida, and this is Responding to a Weather Emergency.
1: Hello! Welcome to For the Record. I'm Doug McKenna, University Registrar at George Mason University.
2: And I'm Sarah Reed, University Registrar at UC Berkeley. I don't think it's overstating it that all of us have been through some things over the past few years. There's been a lot, (laughs) and each of our offices have had to shift and adapt in response to many and varied challenges our institutions have faced. Today, we're going to be talking about one specific kind of external challenge, and it's one that more of us are increasingly likely to have to deal with in the future, and that's a weather emergency. Our guest today is Brian Boyd the University Registrar at the University of Central Florida. And we're going to be using that recent experience with Hurricane Ian as a backdrop of our discussion. Brian, welcome to the podcast and thanks for being here.
0: Great to be here.
1: So Brian, we appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. And so for starters, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your role at UCF and about UCF itself?
0: Sure, uh, absolutely. And thanks for allowing me to join you. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor. I've been uh, with the University of Central Florida since 2006. I've been the university registrar here since 2009. UCF is uh, located in Orlando, Florida. We're a large public institution, our one institution. Our enrollment is around sixty-eight, sixty-nine thousand 69,000 students with about 10,000 undergraduates. And then we also have one medical school. We have a medical school. But the majority of, of course, of the students is are the undergraduate population, located in Orlando, where we, we we do uh, encounter uh, hurricanes from time to time, and they do impact us and they impact our operations. So I'm, I'm very eager and interested to to talk about that uh, that experience that we go through here.
1: Did you say sixty eight or yeah. sixty nine thousand <laughs> students? 70-
0: 1000 students whoa yeah. yeah yeah that's correct a couple of years ago or last year i think we crested over 70,000 but our fall enrollment wow. this year was just over 68,000
1: Woo. whoa that, load. that is intense and here i thought mason was just shy of 40,000 students at census this fall and i was like woo woo we're getting big <laughs> and then like you think then i have to go talk to people at ucf and they're like oh we we're down from 70,000 <laughs> yeah, exactly. Month. Puts it all in perspective. Before we jump into the discussion proper, I want to sort of frame some things and remind people, our listeners, of the events that unfolded. And so cast your memory back. On Sunday, September 25th, then Tropical Storm Ian had formed in the Caribbean and was heading toward Florida. In the National Hurricane Center, issued an advisory that night around 11 p.m. And then into Monday, the storm had reached hurricane status, but the precise track of the storm was still uncertain. And so at this point, on that Monday morning, what kinds of preparations is the institution making? And, and then more specifically, are there any special kinds of preparations that the registrar's office was making at that time with the initial sort of, hey, there's a hurricane coming?
0: When there's a hurricane, you know, out there in the Atlantic that uh, we're monitoring, we get a lot of communication from the university, from our emergency management folks, kind of letting us know what the path looks like. Also giving staff in the campus community a heads up that we're going to have to pivot in some regard and at some point. You know, the, uh, as predictable as hurricanes are, they're not, they're still not <laughs> always predictable. We don't always know when they're going to make landfall. We don't even know if they're going to make landfall in many cases, but we've got to prepare for it. So the communications start coming out to uh, give us a heads up on that. And at that point, that's a time for us to kind of start preparing internally in our office, making sure that we dust off our own plans and that we're we're ready to, to, to start enacting them if, if the time comes where it looks like we're going to have a closure or that we're going to have a, a landfall that's going to impact us.
1: And you said before that hurricanes do affect your operations. And so I assume then that... The dusting off of plans, they never really get that dusty. But how frequently do you review is the continuity of operations plan a formalized structure at UCF? And so, are you required from you know risk management or whoever at the institution to have a coop and to keep it updated, or is that something that you have instituted, or is it a practice that you have just adopted?
0: The university does have have an overall university coop process, and the expectation as departments are submitting to that to that particular plan. But the details of that plan don't get into the details of what we as a registrar's office need to be worried about and thinking about. So we also have our own internal protocols that we take on as well. And those protocols range from kind of preparing for any kind of physical damage that might happen to the office or the facility to safeguard as much as we can against any kind of wind or water damage. To also kind of preparing for records and information that we may need to have handy, should there be a power outage or should there be an outage that will impact our ability to to access electronic records. And also important is a communication plan so that we are prepared to be able to communicate with each other when we're not in the office during that period of time during the closure.
1: This is really great. You've done a spectacular job hitting all of the (laughs) sort of pre-prepped questions that I had hashed out. I was like, I'm going to need to talk about communications plans. We should ask about where are records stored? How are records accessed? You mentioned the communications from the emergency management team. Two-parter question here. What is your, as the registrar, involvement in an ongoing basis with the emergency management team and then what does that relationship look like during a time of crisis like a weather emergency?
0: They have offered us opportunities to even have a seat in the emergency operations center. We have not had to do that. Our office has not had to be represented in that particular space during the actual storm itself. But we do play a, a pretty active role when there's an imminent storm starting to, I start to get a lot of questions about what the class schedule looks like. Uh, what, <laughs> what's, the, what's the volume of, of enrollment on campus at this time of the day versus this time of the day or this day of the week? So right. we have a lot of opportunities to kind of share that information and that input during, during that kind of lead up time. The university also has an emergency operations committee and that's the group that kind of comes together and they make decisions on when are we going to close? When is the communication going to go out about the closures, those sorts of things? I don't sit on that committee, but I get a lot of a lot of those lead up kinds of questions and information from that group that I think then they take forward and use in their in their final decision making.
2: Can you walk us through some of your registrar's office pre-emergency prep plans, it sounds like this is really flushed out well, and that's why you can execute well. But for those of us who maybe don't have that, what, what does that look like? Uh, especially your communication with on the ground, you're in an emergency, and you're communicating with your key colleagues.
0: One of the things that we do is, first of all, we've got to download some information that we, we kind of make the assumption of the worst case scenario that Our access to our electronic resources is going to be cut off in a worst case scenario. So we prepare for that worst case scenario. And there's some key information that perhaps we may not need in the registrar's office, but other folks on campus will need from us. Information such as a class schedule, information such as what is a specific student's class schedule look like? And what are the emergency contact, what's the emergency contact information for those students? So as part of our kind of preparation processes, we download that information and secure it so we encrypt it so that it's safe but we prepare that and there's a few of us that carry that information around as part of our kind of drive off kit so to speak that we take with us and in that information so that if a question does come up from the dina students and oftentimes we do get calls uh, from that office during a closure, looking for information, we have an ability to get it, even if the internet is down or even if the systems are down or data centers are closed or whatever the case may be. So we have that information. So that that is a step, an important step that we take before we all leave that final day before the closure. Within our department, We also kind of take some measures to physically protect the assets as much as we can. So we've got, like every registrar's office, a lot of computers, a lot of hardware and information like that. And we need to prepare for a worst case scenario that, you know, should there be physical damage to the building where there's either encroachment from wind or water that we've got the ability to kind of protect those assets. So so we're moving things away from windows, we're protecting, we're covering um, our computers and hardware with plastic bags and and securing them in that way so that there, if there is anything like that. And of course, records that are kind of sitting out need to be locked up and secured in places that they won't you know, they won't blow around should there be any kind of damage. So we have to prepare for the worst case scenario that, you know, some of these storms will bring up upwards close to a hundred mile an hour winds. And so an object that hits a window is going to come through the window and we need to be prepared for that.
1: Yeah. Hurricane Ian reached, uh, I think it was 155 mile an hour sustained winds, which almost a category five hurricane. And 109 people lost their lives as a result of Hurricane Ian in 19 counties in Florida, which is staggering. Were all of your staff safe? And how did you go about checking in on staff, either during or immediately following the storm?
0: To answer your first question, the quick answer is yes, they were safe. But I can't. But I can say that uh, some of them were impacted in uh, pretty devastating ways. So they were physically safe. They, you know, they were okay after the storm, but they did suffer some pretty significant impacts. And I've got one employee in the office that's still displaced out of from her home right now, and um, some of them have suffered some pretty severe kind of property damage and that sort of thing. But. During, you know, after the storm, it seems like hurricanes in Orlando hit us at night, always in the middle of the nights, like the, the least fun time for that to happen. Right. Um, so they come through in the middle of the night. And then uh, the next day when things are kind of, we're feeling a little bit more safe and comfortable, we start checking in with each other, text messaging or each other and just kind of say, everybody okay? And that's been, that's been part of our culture and, and We actually had a hurricane last week, too, which was unusual. Um, So we barely recovered from Ian. We had another one come through last week, and that was very much what we did. We checked in with each other. The nice thing about, about that storm, that was Tropical Storm Nicole, is we... I don't think any of us suffered any property. Uh, uh, Well, we uh, we suffered a little bit of property damage, but we didn't suffer from a power outage. So we had it was easy to communicate with each other and 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 that sort of thing. But checking in with each other is very much part of our kind of part of our process. We've got a big office, so we kind of rely on supervisors to to do that, and then we kind of check in with each other and make sure everything's everybody's okay. So early on in the day. By that point in time, I know that everybody's kind of heard from everybody else and 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 we're all in, in a good place. So got it. Um,
1: you mentioned Tropical Storm Nicole, and I just want to tell everyone that as we were trying to schedule this recording, I reached out, hey, let's get together to talk about a weather emergency. And I got out of office replies that said, our institution is closed <laughs> due to Tropical Storm Nicole. <laughs> yeah. So I was like uh, perfect timing
0: yeah that's, that's how we do, and you know storms like that are not common in November we're not used to seeing anything like that. I always kind of assume that once we get through october we're we're good to go and maybe even september, but certainly we 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 were well re- well rehearsed after Ian, so we were ready for for the next one.
2: did you and your team do any type of like obviously there's plans in place, but were there any actual like simulations or pre-prep that was kind of actually forcing folks to really think through in real time what would we do in this moment?
0: A lot of that kind of simulation uh, is really kind of happening when we know the storm is is imminent. So we usually know a week out that there might be a, a concern. And so we start to have those conversations and get people thinking about what it is that they need to do to prepare. And as a university, our goal is to get the university prepared as quickly as possible so that we can send people home so that they can prepare their homes and get ready at home. We don't want to be in a situation where employees don't have the ability to kind of prepare and, and uh, get their own homes in order, as well as students. The other piece of it is the students. We want to try to give students is much of an opportunity to go back home uh, or to wherever it is that they wish to be in a safe place in preparation for a storm. But if they, there are some that can't leave, and if they can't, then we've got spaces on campus that are designated as uh, shelter space for those students.
2: And then with regards to communication about evacuation, that sounds like that's a decision that's made with this emergency uh, management team, and you're informing them of just classes and things like that. Are you actually part of the decision makers with that at all in any way? Do they consult you and say, "We're looking at this window of time. What's your recommendation?"
0: What they'll do is they'll they'll ask for data usually related to enrollment or scheduling information, and trying to trying to find the ideal window of time that if they do. Implement a cancellation that it's that it's going to impact as few few as classes as possible, but as safely as possible. So I'm providing the information, but I'm not necessarily providing uh, a recommendation or you know a decision or anything like that. It's just, but we're there, we stand by, ready to provide that information.
1: Let's talk about classes for a second because it seems like if you're going to send everybody home and give them the opportunity to shore up their own house or seek out high ground, classes are going to be canceled. Who communicates that to the faculty and to the students? And then when it's safe to return, does the registrar's office then attempt to reschedule missed classes?
0: So the communication out to the campus community, including staff, employees, faculty, students, goes out from the university. It doesn't come out of the registrar's office. It comes out through, usually our communications are kind of carefully coordinated through our communications and marketing team. And it might be a message from the provost, or it might be a message from communications and marketing, or maybe from the president's office, but it'll come from one of those university level channels. So that, that message and that information will go out. The website will also reflect the information. The website gets provides all the kind of the closure information and is also meant to be a conduit for updates and information even after the closure has occurred. So that's, that's how the communication goes out. As far as classes go, when classes return and resume, sometimes the question comes up is, well, how do you make up the time? Or how do you, how do you do that? Well, that's a tough question because for every class and every discipline, the answer is going to be a little bit different. And so our approach has typically been to empower the departments and the and the instructors to decide what's the best way to make sure that they get the content covered that they need in that course. So we don't say you're required to make up four classes because we were closed for four days. We say we're here to support you in whatever way you need to whatever way is appropriate to make up the time that you need. And in many cases you know, I think this is much easier now than it was maybe 25 years ago, where now we've got a lot more hybrid learning, a lot more online education that happens. And so instructors can, can move and migrate and pivot their activities into an online environment where they can play catch-up without having to impose kind of scheduling constraints that might Affect students with their other classes and things like that. So, that is often the option. But the registrar's office stands by, ready to help with any kind of scheduling needs. So, if an instructor comes along and says, "Look, I need to, I need to schedule some additional makeup time," and and we're going to have to do it at you know. These particular days or these particular times, we can help them get a reservation for space. It might not be in the same classroom. Uh, there's a good chance it won't be in the same classroom, but we can get them the space that they need and help them with that. And so that's that's been kind of the the approach. Is if you need help getting space and time, we stand by ready to do that. But as as a department and a college and a faculty, individual faculty members, you're in the best position to decide what's the best way to make up that, you know, to to get that instruction covered and get that content covered for your students.
2: And actually, Brian, that's that's leading me to another question. So I used to work in a law field and law schools, and we were always managing exams. And so when crises arose, we were constantly thinking about how does this affect exams and grading. Now, I know Ian arrived at a time when maybe, maybe midterms were happening. But if Midterms or final exams were occurring, and there were a hurricane. There was a hurricane. What kind of procedures are in place for that? How would you guys handle something like that?
0: We've never had to do this at UCF. We've never had to change our calendar to where we've needed to extend the semester. We usually have got enough kind of extra days on the calendar to be able to allow for uh, for a closure like this, but. That did happen, I mean, in, in terms of Hurricane Ian, one of the things that happened kind of post-storm is we had a process where the university had a process, not the registrar's office per se, but the university has a process where students can submit a report to our student care services team and indicate that they were impacted by the hurricane in, in, in some, some negative way. And that does two things. Number one is it lets the university know that that student might need some particular additional support in some regard. But it also gives us the ability, and this is, what, this is something that our office helped with, is pushing out communication to the instructors saying that we received a, 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 a notification that this particular student was uh, impacted uh, by the hurricane, and that may impact that student's ability to get back to class uh, or may impact their attendance. And we want you to be aware of that. And so we've got a lot of, I would get a lot of responses from faculty. We didn't didn't expect and we didn't ask for responses from faculty. We just simply wanted to let them know which students in their classes were impacted. And that gave us the ability to do that. And They seemed very appreciative of it, Um, and many of them were also appreciative of just knowing the fact that the student was reaching out and getting support from the university for it as well.
2: You know, this is just something I've been thinking about quite a bit. I just um, finished attending the PACRO Regional Conference in the West Coast and then also the SEM ACRO Conference in Toronto, and I feel like the most repeated question and concern in the presentations was about mental health. Uh, with an emphasis on the mental health of students and staff, although faculty as well. You had mentioned that in your office, at least one staff member is displaced, you know, for many months. And I imagine that there's just a psychological toll of having to prep and be aware and is it happening? Is it coming here? And this repeated, you know, with increased weather disasters, this repeated stress on top of the stress of the pandemic. And in some places, you know, you know, rents are going up over here in the West Coast. And so there's that stress of just like financial stability. So there's just been a lot of pressure, I think, for all of us these last few years and and beyond. With regard to that anxiety and that stress, what resources is your institution regularly doling out in situations like this? How are they helping students, faculty, and staff with this kind of stress and recovery from disasters?
0: Well, when it comes to the staff and the employees of the university. I think the university is really, really good about making us feel supportive, supported in that way. One of one of the the first things that happened after the storm almost immediately was an encouragement to all managers and departments and directors to understand that staff are coming coming back or maybe not able to come back due to a variety of ways that they were impacted and asking for flexibility. And that, that goes a long way. So we we have staff that some of them work partially remotely. And um, the university at the university level, we, we saw a number of folks that had to kind of change that schedule and work more remotely uh, simply because of what they were dealing with there. I mean, after Hurricane Ian, we had a lot of staff and a lot of students that lost their cars due to flooding. And so they didn't have a way to even get to the campus. So we had to be aware of that. And um, the university really kind of set out a call and made it clear that we're going to be flexible uh, with folks to kind of help them get through that period of time. As far as uh, students go, well, let me uh, take that a step further. The university also has provided uh, additional leave, hurricane leave uh, for employees that were impacted in in a devastating way. So that was made available to uh, staff that, that needed to have that additional support and that additional time. And it, it has come in handy. I know it's come in handy with the staff that are in our department that were impacted by it because they've got to jump and meet a contractor you know, at a moment's notice. And so there's there's additional leave that they never planned on ever having to take and unfortunately now they do have to take it so that type of leave that the university has provided has been really helpful and beneficial and of course we have you know we have a, a, an EAP and and employees are constantly reminded of 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 those resources as well to 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 reach out and get that kind of help and support if they if they need that for students making that student care services link available and communicating that out to the students has been really helpful to them. Basically, they just need to identify themselves as somebody who's been impacted by it. And the caseworkers that work on that team are able to reach out to those students and find out more. You know, they can find out more specifically what does that student might need. It, It may be financial support. It might mean food. It might mean housing. It might mean mental health a support and they can provide that kind of help to the, to, to the students. We've capitalized off of that. And this is a new, this is kind of a new process within our department since we did this is it, with those communications that we push out is we use those inquiries as our source of identifying the students that we need to notify instructors about. And, um, and that's been particularly helpful.
1: Brian, we've been using Hurricane Ian as sort of the backdrop for this conversation. And obviously, it was a significant storm, one of the most powerful and one of the more deadly storms in recent history. But hurricanes for Florida, hurricanes are not the only kind of weather emergency. And so right now, Buffalo is being buried under two and a half to four feet of snow. As recently as uh, this past summer, California has had to deal with uh, fallout from wildfires. And so as we think about what are sort of the transferable ideas from emergency response, what are your recommendations for registrars wherever they are and whatever particular weather-related threats they have to deal with? What are your recommendations to them for how to prepare
0: You know, the number one thing I think is as registrars, we need to think about how we can deliver the services that we deliver outside of our office. And I think we all learned that from the pandemic. That was, in in many ways, that wasn't a weather emergency, but that was something that impacted everybody across the country in in, in very much the same way where we needed to make a very fast pivot and figure out how we were going to del- deliver our services. And I think that pandemic has also kind of helped us in many regards and being prepared and being rehearsed in how we handle some of these other types of, of, of obstacles that we might encounter. So I think certainly a preparation for how we might deliver those services and, and different Campuses and different universities are going to have different resources um, available to them to be able to do that, and so the the ability to to have the records available to you that you need to be able to have, or the uh, the processes or the forms that you might use, that information needs to be and those resources need to be kind of thought through in terms of what what do we need to have if we have to have any kind of extended time outside of the department or off the campus. The other is I think the coop really is important especially to do ahead of time don't 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 wait until storm (laughs) season to do it Um, don't that's not that's not the time to be doing it spend the time working through it ahead of time and because when you have an impending storm you're not going to have time to think about all the details and you're going to miss a lot of them so going through the coop plan I think it's important for us to not be comfortable. We have a we have a coop plan, we pull it off the shelf uh, often enough, but I think it's important for it to be revisited on a very frequent basis because what we had in our coop plan, you know, in 2006 when I first came to UCF is very different from what we would have in it now and our needs are very different back then than what they are now. So for sure. A lot more dependency. We were our driveaway kits were uh, forms and boxes of papers and things like that. That's not part of our plan anymore, that because it's not the way most of us are doing business. But there's other, but there's other needs and and the ability to have those electronic records and to be able to communicate and transact with students in the way that they need to be handled is uh, is important. So I think that the the really it's really really important to spend the time working through those plans those contingency plans ahead of time and you can never do too much of it you really kind of almost need to do it relentlessly
2: yeah thank you I have, I have two follow-up questions on that important note one I've just been thinking about your student information systems and is the data hosted for you all on the cloud or is it like are your are your servers managed internally
0: so we're a peoplesoft institution. So our data is not necessarily in the cloud, like you would see with like a workday solution, but it's most of our, most of our servers are hosted in a data center, offsite data sites that is very, uh, I'll say hardened for storms. And so it's very protected in that regard. And that's maybe another thing is that didn't exist many years ago. So... Those kinds of preparations, that's that's taken a little bit of pressure off of us, but we still do plan to at least have, in a worst case scenario where we can't get at information that we need immediately, that at least we've got that basic information about the student and their emergency contact information and the course schedules and their schedules so that we've got that information.
2: Secondly, could you talk to us a little bit about your post-emergency debrief? What does that look like within the office of the registrar? And then also, what does that look like at, at an institutional level with the emergency management team?
0: It's kind of funny you should ask because we barely we barely got out of Hurricane Ian and we were already dealing with Hurricane Nicole. So there there wasn't much of a debrief other than just kind of going through the steps that we needed to do for, um, for Hurricane Nicole or, or uh, you know, that we did for Hurricane Nicole. Yeah it it's often a as you go through these things you learn new things and you learn new things that you need to incorporate as part of your plan moving forward. So one thing that I learned in in prepare you know to prepare for the future is we had a lot of students that were impacted. In fact there's two specific apartment complexes in the neighborhood of the university that were absolutely flooded and annihilated. And the students, Oof. hundreds and hundreds of students were impacted by that. And so I was called upon to pull a lot of information together and kind of help with a communication campaign. So being ready to do that so that I've got those queries ready to go, I think is is important. So those are things that maybe we didn't have to worry about before, but we do now. And um, as we as we learn these new things, we add them to our plan, and we communicate. So I talk with my senior team after after a storm like this, and we talk about some of the things that worked well, or if we got caught, you know, by surprise by something. Let's make sure we add this to our plans that we're ready for it next time. And I think. I think that happens at the university level, at a high level. I think with our emergency operations committee, I believe they do that. But it's really important, I think, to happen within all departments of the university to to be able to do that. You have to consider these operations plans as um, these continuity of operations plans as um, living documents that are always changing.
2: Yeah, thank you. They've been beating that into the sem conference, I feel like I've just been like, yes, I need to, I need to work on these areas because, right, if you're not um, flexible and, and revisiting, then it's just static and it's not effective. Well, so Brian, I'm thinking about you and these 70,000 students and knowing that a university registrar job is never without challenges and even more so, you know, as you said, Doug, in Florida or here in California where there's fires and just in general, I mean, I don't know any registrar who isn't either at capacity or is has not had to constantly pivot, right? That word that we're all dreading saying, like pivot, pivot, pivot yeah. um, for these rising challenges. How do you personally manage fatigue, right? Staff fatigue, your own internal fatigue, and how do you build in time for reflection and recovery?
0: I think it's important for us to kind of set aside time for retreating, whether it's a formal retreat or whether it's just time where we can just kind of talk without a formal agenda or uh, just kind of process things like that. I think that's particularly important. You know, the pandemic brought all sorts of challenges to people and departments and operations that we didn't have before and impacted different people in different ways. So I think it's important that you kind of provide that space and it's hard when you have a very fast paced environment to set aside that time, but it's so important to be able to do that. You know, the other thing that, that we're fortunate enough here at UCF is we've got the ability for folks to work remotely and that gives them the opportunity to kind of have a little bit of flexibility in that regard as well. But really more important than anything else is making sure that you kind of set aside the time to understand what people's needs are. I think that's I think that's really kind of key.
1: Brian, is there anything else that we haven't asked you that you might have expected us to ask on this topic? If not, is there anything else that you want to share about responding to a weather emergency?
0: What we're kind of experiencing here, and I've, I mentioned it earlier uh, or alluded to it earlier, is that a lot of the work with a with a weather emergency actually happens after the emergency has occurred. The preparation is a, is really really important. I can't stress that enough. But the preparation should also include preparation for the amount of work and the different work we're going to have to have after the storm is over. So, whether it's supporting other departments with communications, pulling information about students, helping with rescheduling of classes if we need to do that sort of thing. I think it's really important for folks to understand. And I think we have to remind ourselves even in the registrar's office that once we're back from the storm, we unfortunately don't get to just have a sigh of relief and say, thank goodness, life is back to normal because it's not. It's, it's, it, 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 it's different for a while.
1: Yeah, and in many ways, that first day back in the office is just the start of all of that effort to reclaim some kind of normalcy. And it normalcy doesn't just fall back on to you. You have to go out and work for it. So
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of loose ends that were very important that are completely storm unrelated, uh, you know, that you come back to and you've got to be able to address those, but you also have a lot of new challenges that existed as a result of the impacts of the storm.
2: Brian, could you just give us an idea from your perspective, just from Ian, you know, how many months do you think it's going to take for you guys just to get a little bit settled on that and back to the normal work? in quotes that people can't see I'm am doing.
0: Yeah. I feel like we're not going to feel like it's in the it's 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 far enough in the wake of things until we get somewhere into the next semester. And the reason why I say that is there's a couple things. I think we still have students that are realizing that they're impacted. They may not have realized it early on, or they may have thought that they could kind of fight through whatever challenges that they had. And now, now those challenges are kind of becoming more, more acute for those students. But we also deal with academic petitions out of our office. And I think we're going to see more of those happen after the semester is over. And I think a lot of those students are going to become even more self-aware that there was there were issues, whether it was mental health issues or whether it was the ability to keep up with their studies or the ability to even attend class uh, to the degree that they needed to until the very end of the semester. So I have, a, I have a feeling we're kind of preparing for this, that we're going to see academic petitions kind of start to spike up as we get close to the end of the semester and even into the the start of the next semester, um, especially after grades post.
2: Never a dull moment.
0: No, (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. Keeps the days moving fast.
1: (laughs) I was going to say that's one of the best parts about working in the registrar's office is that it's, I've never had the same day twice. Not at all. Always, always something.
0: I mean right. I just had a student this today this morning come come to our office and inquire our, uh, about withdrawing from classes and I had asked our withdrawal deadline is now since passed and I had asked is this for medical reasons or because the student was referred to me I knew it was for something bigger than just I need to get out of my classes and um, and no he said it was it was hurricane related so there's still they're still inquiring for assistance. And I think most of them are a result of Ian, not not Nicole. Uh, so, and I mentioned the withdrawal deadline. That That is one thing I didn't mention earlier is that the university did extend its withdrawal deadline out. We extended it by a week. And the idea behind that was, I mean, that was November 4th is what we extended it to. So that was a month after the hurricane was over. But the idea behind that was, is we wanted students to be able to have additional time to talk with their advisors to make informed decisions because our withdrawal deadline in October might have prompted some students to make a rash decision and drop all their classes when maybe they didn't need to. And so giving them that extra time gave them a little bit more time to kind of do their research, figure out where they're at with everything and talk with their instructors, talk with their advisors, and make an informed decision about whether or not to withdraw.
1: That makes a lot of sense. And I appreciate your bringing it back to the student support and centering the student experience in all of the work that goes along with this and all of the work that registrars do. So thank you for that. there's
0: one other, one other, if I may, one other important point that I did not make in terms of, as we talk about preparing for the storm, and that is the power of registrars talking to other registrars. So in the state of Florida, when there's a, just like we're having a lot of conversations on campus about preparing and what we're going to do and when we're going to do it, the registrars are also communicating with each other talking about what's happening on their campuses. And that's 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 really helpful to have kind of that insight and that knowledge of what's happening on other campuses kind of helps us all make a decision. And often in the end, the whole state is kind of moving forward in the same with the same footstep, which is really, really helpful.
1: That is one of the benefits I have found of being involved with ACRO and with our regional associations. Bacro has a listserv for just the Virginia registrars and then sacro is all of the Southern association. And if you're listening to this, you know, what a regional association is. So it is a tremendous benefit to be able to reach out to another registrar or at another institution and say, this is what we're hearing. This is what we're planning. What are you doing? What are you hearing? I found that to be extra beneficial early on in the pandemic about You know, what are you doing with your academic calendar back in those innocent, naive days when we were (laughs) like, oh, we're going to be gone for two weeks and then everybody will just send everybody home for two weeks and then we'll bring everybody back. (laughs) And then here we are two years later. Ta-da! But it is a tremendous benefit to be able to have that kind of collaboration. And I think that ACRO and the regional associations do a really good job of enabling those kinds of connections and encouraging that kind of collaboration and and collaborative behavior.
0: So
2: it's really, really helpful
0: and supportive. Yeah.
2: It really is. And I would just encourage those, even if you maybe are newer to the field and you haven't yet joined um, those organizations, please do. But if you, if you haven't, or there's financial difficulties, please don't hesitate to reach out to other registrars. I think, I learned that earlier on in my career, luckily, I, I think I kind of fell into it. But, um, you know, even if you don't have the connections, it's fine just to call someone down the road and just say, hey, let me introduce myself and can I chat with you about X, Y or Z? I think all of us would be super receptive to that.
0: Yeah. It's a learning process for us too, for those who are getting that call and being able to kind of share our our thoughts as we 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 pick up information along the way. So it's uh, it's one of one of my favorite things to do in my job is to talk to other registrars and kind of hear hear how things work on their campuses.
1: Well, this has been amazing, Brian. I appreciate you talking to us. And I want to say thank you for taking the time to share your experiences and I hope that all of your staff are safe and continue, remain safe and recover from any damages that they have encountered from this or any of the other uh, storms that seem to have been rolling through Florida.
0: Well, I appreciate that and I appreciate the opportunity to talk with, with you and uh, and to be part of this. It's quite an honor for me. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Brian. We really appreciate it so much. And don't hesitate to put a GoFundMe. I think we'd all be willing to help fund your displaced staff member.
0: (laughs) All right.
1: Thanks again to Brian Boyd at UCF for recounting his experience with Hurricane Ian and for sharing his guidance on preparing for any weather-related emergency. Hey, speaking of making a plan, it's not too early to start making plans to attend the annual meeting coming up March 26th to 29th. That's hard to say, 26th to 29th, 2023 in Aurora, Colorado. Or if you're listening to this after March 29th, 2023, it's still not too early to start thinking about the next annual meeting. You should go. They're great. And you're great. You and the annual meeting go together like peanut butter and jelly. Anyway, Sarah and I thank you for listening. Share the podcast with a friend, drink some water, stretch your legs, take good care of you and yours. Until next time, I'm Doug McKenna, and this is For the Record. No,